And so Ephesians 6, verse 17, and as one big group, let's say this verse out loud together. Read it together. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your Word. I pray that you would help us as we, uh, we get uh, some truths from you today to apply to our life. Help us not to be a hearer only, but a doer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please be seated. We talked about uh, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. And I don't think there's a question this morning that for the last 2,000 years we have been in the evil day. And uh, 2022 has not become less evil. It has become more evil. Uh, How many of you could agree with that? At least in your lifetime you could say, yes, 2022 is more evil than any other year of my lifetime. And But praise God for the family of God, for the church. We're in the church age where we can come together with God's people and we can find uh, encouragement and help. And wherever the Word of God is preached and read and taught, and wherever God's people are, you are at the right place at the right time. And so we need to take on the whole armor of God. Put on, put on Jesus Christ. Put on God's armor, His help, and His strength, His grace. And uh, so many times we say, well, why am I not having victory? Because we're not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 14, stand therefore, after you've put on the whole armor of God, and after you've done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We need to put on the belt of the Word of God. God, the belt of truth. Psalm 119.89, the Bible says, forever, O Lord. Now think about how long is forever. How long is forever? Some of you have been on a long car ride. Some of you have been on a long car ride with somebody that was under the age of five or under the age of 10. And maybe you remember those dates when you were that age and you said, are we there yet? And your mom or dad says, we haven't even been on the road for five minutes. And this is a 15-hour car ride. And I don't know who regretted it more, the kid or the parent. And the kid doesn't even know what they're getting themselves into. And it seems like it's going to be forever. And also in that same thought, when you were uh, five years old, it seemed like it would be forever before you were six years old. And then it would be forever before you were ten years old. Or when you were ten, it's going to be forever before I can drive a car. And uh, how many of you remember uh, the first time you ever drove the car? Yeah, and that was, that was like, oh, that, this is freedom, this is awesome. But it took forever for you to be able to do that. Forever is not just a long time, it's forever. See, we only think of it as time. But forever transcends time. God is eternal. And we are going to be in eternity forever. Forever and ever. A thousand years, a million years, you don't even want to put time on that because it's forever. Amen? And if you're going to hell, that's, that's, that's a long, long time to be wrong. Amen? But it's because of Jesus Christ. We can put on the righteousness of Christ that we can go to heaven. It's not because of good works. If you're depending on being a good person to get you into heaven, you're, you, you, my friend, are heading in the wrong direction. You might be sincere about it, too. You might say, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to do my best. But you can be sincere and sincerely wrong at the same time. 
And so he says, Psalm 119.89, about the word of God, he says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Someone has said there have been emperors who have decreed the extermination of the Bible. And there are plenty of atheists who laugh at the word of God. They have railed against the word of God. There are many agnostics who cynically sneer at the Bible. And there are liberals who have moved heaven and earth to remove miracles from the Bible. You know, my friend, it takes more faith, in my opinion, to, believe, to not believe the miracles than it does to just believe the miracles. There's, a, uh, there's all things that, a lot of things that could be said about that. But there are many materialists who simply just ignore the Bible. A lot of shallow Christians who just say, well, that doesn't apply to me. My friend, if the Holy Spirit convicts you about something, it does apply to you. And you need to get right with the Lord. You need to, uh, to realize that this book is a mirror. This is to show us our faults and our failures and our sin. And to show us where we need to grow. James, read the book of James if you would. Uh, take some time to read that and, and to realize that we are responsible for our, our, our actions. We're responsible for what we hear and what we're taught by the Holy Spirit. We can't just ignore it. Uh, but the Bible, my friend, it doesn't matter who, who tries to destroy it, who tries to ignore it. The Bible stands. And the Bible is the Word of God. Adrian Rogers says, one, ways, one of the ways I know the Bible is the Word of God because it stood up under so uh, much shoddy preaching. Do- Dr. Robert G. Lee uh, said, speaking of the Bible, he said, All of its enemies have not torn one hole in its holy vesture nor stolen one flower from its wonderful garden, nor diluted one drop of honey from its abundant hive, nor broken one string on its thousand-stringed harp, nor drowned one sweet word in infidel ink. First Peter one twenty-five echoes the same thought as Psalm 119. Peter says, The word of the Lord endureth forever. It endureth forever. The Bible is timeless. It's indestructible. And it is the word of God. It is settled in heaven. It doesn't matter if society says it's okay for a man to marry a man. The Bible says it's still wrong. It doesn't matter if society says that it's okay for a woman to become a man or a man to become a woman. The Bible is still the Word of God. It doesn't matter if society says it's okay to, uh, to commit fornication and adultery. The Bible still is the Word of God. And the Bible stands. And so we need to take the belt of truth and say, this is where I stand, and I'm going to follow the Bible, and I'm not going to give in to the pressure of society or the pressure of family. A lot of family is putting pressure on you today to, to compromise the Word of God. We're going to put on the belt of truth, because in the belt of truth we find safety. We find stability in the Word of God. And then we need to not put on the, uh, the self-righteousness that many uh, religious people do. They say, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm actually I'm better than other people. And, and because of that, I'm okay. How many people do we talk to uh, out soul winning? How many people do you talk to uh, and witness to and try to witness the word of God and the gospel to them? And they say, well, I'm okay. And there's times where I'm tempted to say, well, none of us are okay. The Bible says that none are good. In the right situation, I do, without trying to push buttons and trying to be passive-aggressive. When the Spirit is leading, there's times where I say, 
uh, there is none good. But most of the time it's, oh, I'm good, and they're walking away already. I don't want to be hostile towards them. I'm trying to leave them a track if I can. But what I'm saying is, friend, there are so many people in this world that say, I'm good, I'm okay. But the Bible says there's none good, there's none righteous, no, not one. And that's why we cannot put on self-righteousness. We need to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says there, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And then we see in verse number uh, 15, he says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And until we have the peace of God in our life, we cannot take the peace of God to someone else's life. But it's important that we have God's peace, but then share it with others. And put on the good news shoes, where we go out and we are a witness, we're a sermon in shoes. And then we see the shield of faith. God is our shield. And with God as our shield, we can withstand the fiery blows of Satan. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Above all problems, above all cares, above all needs, above all attack, we can take the shield of faith. And then we see in verse number 16, one thought here, and take the helmet of salvation. Next week we'll finish with the sword of the Spirit. But he says, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet is to protect the head. Uh, It's a very important piece of armor because uh, if you lose your head, you're not going to be much good. It's kind of important, right? Without, without your head, uh, you cannot exist. I mean, I've heard of chickens that can do things without head, a head, right? You know, they can run around. I, there was uh, some other farm animal that was able to live without their head, but uh, human beings cannot exist, live without their head. So we need to put on the helmet of salvation. And Paul is not talking about getting saved here. We already have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ. He's, uh, he's saying you've already been saved, but you need to put on the helmet of salvation to protect uh, you as far as your assurance of salvation. So many Christians are, there are people that are saved that just are not assured of their salvation. Now, if you're not really saved this morning, I'm not trying to convince you that you are. Because I want the Holy Spirit to tell you, either you need to get saved, or you've already been saved. The Holy Spirit always brings positive reinforcement. He's always telling us that we have to do something. If we're not saved, He's saying you need to get saved. And if if, if, if you are saved, He's saying you need to put your trust in the Word of God. The devil always brings doubt. The devil wants to tell the uh, the devil wants to tell the unsaved person, "You're fine, you're good." But he also then he wants to bring to the Christian. He wants to bring doubt. He wants to bring uh, he wants to bring uh, question, and uh, he wants to get us to not be sure. And uh, he wants to bring that into your life if you're not saved. But it, I, I just wanted to say one thing about this. And that is, if you are saved today, if you are saved, you need to have assurance of your salvation. You need to be assured of your salvation because without that confidence, you will not grow spiritually. This is the most basic and fundamental thing that we can do as a believer. Number one, you need to be saved. But after that, you need to have assurance to say, I know, I know that I'm saved. And I know that I'm going to heaven. And I know that Jesus Christ died for me. 
I want to ask you a question. There might be some in here that are not 100% sure of their salvation, but if you were to die tonight, this is a question I ask uh, when we go out soul winning. Are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Ask yourself that question. Are you 100% sure? If you're not 100% sure, are you 90%, 50%, 20%, 0%? Are you pretty sure? See, many people are pretty sure they're going to heaven, but they usually can't give a good reason why. And if you're not saved... You cannot give a good reason why you're going to heaven. You cannot give a biblical reason why you're going to heaven. You might say, I've tried my best to obey the Ten Commandments and love others as I love, as I love myself. And I'm probably no worse than anyone else. Again, we're playing the comparison game. That's self-righteousness. That's self-righteousness. If you're depending on your own goodness to get you in heaven, then how much good do you need to do in order to get to heaven? The truth is you could never know, and I could never know, how much good I would have to do to get to heaven. Because our our sin condemns us. The the Ten Commandments that we have all broken condemn us. The Ten Commandments say that I am lost without Christ. The Ten Commandments say that I am not good. I'm not righteous. But the Bible tells us, although uh, many are saying, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. The Bible tells us that there is none good. But yet, if you come to Christ, if you come to Christ and you forsake all these other uh, ways and all these other forms of righteousness and all the things that we're depending on to get, get to heaven, if we forsake all of that and we come just to Jesus Christ and Him and Him, him alone, we come to Christ, we can know for sure that we're going to heaven. First John 5, 13. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may... Why don't you turn there? Why don't you turn there and mark this in your Bible? If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, we can go there. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may... K-N-O-W. That ye may know... What's the next phrase? Note that ye have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Are you 100% sure? Are you 100% sure? If you're saved this morning, I want you to know that you're saved. And God wants you to know that you're saved. God doesn't want you to question your salvation. The devil wants you to question your salvation. The Holy Spirit, if you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit is, is saying, look to the Lord. Look to the Word. Look to, look to the Lord for salvation. Uh, and if you have been saved, he's saying, he's saying that the Word of God says that if you come to Christ, then you've been forgiven. He says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That believe, that believe on the name of the Son of God. He is pointing back to the knowledge of salvation, the knowledge of eternal life, back to belief on the name of the Son of God. Uh, he says, he said, I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have, what? Eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Well, how can I know for sure? John explains it in very simple terms. Look at verse number 11. You're already in verse 13. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, and this is the record that, what? Read it with me. God hath given to us, what? Next two words, eternal life. It is a gift. Don't miss this. God has given to us. It doesn't say that God allowed you to work your way into heaven. Or God gave you the baptism, so trust that. 
God gave you the church, so, you know, pray, uh, come and talk to the priest, confess your sin to the priest. No, my friend, the Bible says that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the, what? The Son. No, does it say he that hath the baptism? No, it says he that hath the Son. Does it say he that hath the experience? He that was saved in a car wreck? He that hath the Son, capital S-O-N. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Very simple, cut and dry. It's not, it's not rocket science. Not trying to be condescending, but so many people try to complicate this very, very simple thing. It's the most important thing that any of us could ever know. And that is that we have eternal life. And that Jesus saved us from our sins. He that believeth on the name of the Son of God hath eternal life. Eternal life is God's free gift. It's a gift. God, verse 11, God hath given to us. God hath given to us. Eternal life is God's gift and it comes wrapped up in His Son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the now, that, that's, that's all of us. Cosmos, the world. God loved the world. That he gave, don't skip over the word gave, it's very important. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Eternal life. God's word stands forever. And eternal life is forever. It never ends. Just like eternal damnation never ends. It's forever and ever. Very, very serious, but very, very simple at the same time. Now, salvation is God's wonderful gift. That does not depend on us being good or our best effort, our best work, our best, uh, our best gift to God. It's God's gift to man, not man's gift to God. But if heaven depended on us being good or our, our, our best effort, then we could never be sure of salvation because, uh, because we are not good. We are living under condemnation. Now, Jesus didn't come into the world to what condemn the world. Why? Why didn't Jesus come to condemn the world? Because the world was already condemned. We're lost in our sins because of our sin nature. We were born into this world as sinners with a sin nature. And we sin because we're sinners. But Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to do something far greater. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world in our sins. If we would but just trust Jesus... Turn from self-righteousness and turn and receive. Turn to Jesus and receive his righteousness. He died on the cross for us. Heaven is simply received as a free gift from God. And so that's why there's nothing arrogant about saying that I know. And many in this room know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven. Because it has nothing to do with us and our good works. I don't boast in the work of Paul Hoover. And you should not boast in the work of 
Put your name in that place. I boast in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We're going to have communion in just a moment. This is just a picture of something that's already happened. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals and they shed blood as a picture looking to the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, as John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so the the animal sacrifice of the Old Testament, as the Jews would sacrifice animals, the priests, the high priests would sacrifice animals, and they would come and they would and they would say, This is a covering of sin, but it cannot wash away our sin. There's only one that can take away the sin of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. And so today we look back two thousand years at the old rugged cross there in Jerusalem, as Jesus hung there and he died as the Son of God and the Son of Man, the perfect sinless one. He died on the cross. And I can look back this afternoon as we take communion and we say, Jesus has died for me because I'm not trusting in good works. I can't do that. I'm not trusting in righteousness that I have done because that doesn't do anything. But there is one who is perfect, and I put my faith in him. Forsaking all others, I trust him. There's nothing arrogant about saying that we know for sure we're going to heaven. It's not good works. It's not our good works. We don't save ourselves. Jesus saved us. And we can put our confidence and trust in Jesus. Amen. Martin Luther was in bed one night and Satan was so real that it seemed that he was in Martin's room. You remember one time, you probably heard the story, where he threw an inkwell at Satan, which is where we understand that the devil is a spirit, but his presence, his presence was so real in that room that Martin Luther took an inkwell and threw it at him. But Martin Luther, he threw the inkwell at Satan, and then, uh, then he said, as he was writing later in his memoirs, that it seemed as though Satan was right in the bedroom, and Satan was condemning Luther, and he had a long list. Luther said he woke up and he couldn't tell whether it was a dream or whatever, but Satan was at the foot of his bed, and he had a long scroll And on that scroll was a record of Martin Luther's sins. And it was a correct record. You know, the devil is not afraid to use the word of God. He's not afraid to use the truth as long as he can twist it to his liking. But he took the record of Martin Luther's sins. And he unrolled that scroll, this correct record of blasphemy and lust and pride documented, dated, and everything else. And Satan pointed the finger of accusation at Martin Luther and said, You are a sinner. You're lost. You're not fit to be a preacher of the gospel. You're going to hell. You are condemned, you vile sinner. And my friend, if we're honest this morning, even though we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, there came a time where we put our trust. If you did that, if you got saved and you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm forsaking all others. I'm trusting you. I'm turning my back on baptism and good works and church membership and all those things. And Jesus, you are the Savior, and I'm trusting you. But there may have been a time, if we're honest, there's probably been 
maybe even more than one time, or maybe this is a regular thing for some, where Satan comes and he accuses you and he says, you can't be a child of God. And he lists the things that you and I have done. And that's what he did to Martin Luther. He said, you're a sinner. You're lost. You're not fit to be a preacher of the gospel. You're going to hell. You're condemned. And Luther said that he felt himself sinking into hell. He was overcome with this depression. And then the Holy Spirit said, Luther... Make him unroll the scroll all the way. And Luther said, Satan, unroll the scroll. And Satan looked like he didn't want to do it. And he said, in the name of Jesus, unroll the scroll. And Lucifer continued to unroll the scroll. And down at the bottom it said, this entire sin account of Martin Luther paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to take our sins and nail it to the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And I'm not going to hell. Not because I can boast of my righteousness, but because, my friend, what you can do, what you can do, if the Holy Spirit is bringing you to this place this morning where you, where you understand that, yes, you're a sinner, you're lost without Christ, but you can come to Jesus Christ and be forgiven forever. And you can also say, I'm not going to hell. There's a song that is of that title. It's, the words go like this. In sin I was a living. No thought I was given of dying or where I would go. I was looking at buying. So hard was I trying to gain all the world had to owe. No peace and no pleasure could I even measure with all that I had to gain. I repented and prayed, and Christ saved me that day. And now I have got something to say. I'm not going to hell. I've been forgiven. What a story I tell. I'm saved and forgiven, set free. All is well. I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And if you have the Son of Jesus Christ and his, uh, his blood has been applied to your account and you've been saved and forgiven, you can say, I'm not going to hell. Satan, you may have owned me, but now Jesus is my Savior. I am a child of God and you lost what you had. And I am not going to hell. That's taking the helmet of salvation and saying, Oh, devil. You don't own me anymore. And I know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Savior. And I can't point to self. I can't point to experience. But I know that there was a day where I trusted Jesus. And I went from darkness to light. And the Bible says that he that hath the Son of God hath eternal life. And so Satan will attack us with error He'll attack us with sin and discouragement, temptation and doubt and condemnation. But when you put on the whole armor of God, even you can stare at that last enemy called death. 
and it doesn't have the final victory. Because we know that we know that we have eternal life, and we have passed from death to life spiritually, and so our name is written in heaven, we're secured in heaven, and we can say like Job said in chapter 19, verse 25, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at that latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. I'm going to see God. Not only am I not going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. Amen? I'm going to see God, and I know that I will be in heaven because of Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Number 380 in our hymn books, number 380, written by Edward Mote, but a new tune by Benjamin Harlan. Number 380, I know. My hope is not in myself. It is upon the blood and righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. How about you? Do you know that this morning? Is Jesus your Savior? Is He your Savior? You might say, well, I believe in God. I didn't ask you if you believed in God. Because belief in God is something even the devil, he can believe in God. He does believe in God. You know, the devil works overtime because he believes in God. You might be saying, well, I, I'm, I go to church. I'm here every Sunday, Pastor. I didn't ask if you went to church. I'm asking, do you know? Do you know that you've been forgiven? Do you know? And, 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 and where is your assurance at? Is your assurance upon what something mom said or dad said? Or is our assurance upon what the word says? Do you have the Son of God? Now, I understand there might be some here today that say, well, I, I was saved at one time, but I'm no longer saved. Could it be that maybe you don't have a relationship with God like you ought to have and I ought to have? And there's times where the devil tries, what the devil does, he's a, he's a, uh, he, he tries to divide. You know what a predator does? He divides and then he conquers. He goes after the weak ones. And the devil is, is that roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And that is why the Bible says we need to walk through this, this Christian life and walk through the world circumspectly. We need to be looking for all that could bring us down. And Satan as well, he is stalking the prey. And he is trying to divide us from our Father. And although I believe the Word of God says that we are in Christ's hand and we're in the Father's hand, we are in that relationship where He is our Father and we are His child. But He, the devil, works to bring us out of fellowship with our family. And many times being out of fellowship can even feel like we're lost. So I'm not saying for us to question if there was a time where we called upon the Lord and we put our trust in the Word of God and what the Bible says about trying, uh, trusting Christ and being forgiven of our sins. And there was a time where you know that I received Christ as my Savior and I passed from death to life, but now I just don't feel like I'm saved. If that's the case with you, restore that fellowship with God. 
As the Bible says, draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you, James. But then it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So many of us are in the world, and so many of us are, 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 are maybe here physically, but we're a thousand miles away in our heart and in our minds. And our soul is troubled because we're like that double-minded man. Get back to Jesus this morning. And if, if there's something in your life where you're saying, I can't come back to God because then I would have to do such and such. Well, then do such and such. Get right with God, okay? Trust Him by faith. You might be saying, God's been telling me to do something. I just don't want to do it. Well, uh, well, confess your sin, you rebel, and get right with the Lord. Amen? Come back to Jesus because Jesus loves you and He wants to have the relationship with you. And it's far better in, in your relationship with Christ than it could ever be in the world. Get yourself right with the Lord. If that's your situation this morning, let's come and pray and ask God for help. You maybe need to uh, find somebody that will help you in your discipleship. And friend, Christian, if if you've grown in your walk with the Lord, bring somebody else along with you. Disciple somebody. Encourage somebody. Bring them along with you. Don't just say, well... As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, and us four and, and no more. I'm not going to help anyone else. Just as for, for me and my house, we're, we're the only ones that are going to uh, do what's right here. And uh, we're not going to worry about anyone else in the church. My friend, help other people in their walk with Christ. And so uh, you find somebody that can disciple you, but friend, disciple. Find somebody that is seeking for help. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to sing the song in just a moment. I want you to come and pray with me. First of all, Christian. And I say, I, I've just struggled. I've struggled so much with my assurance. Come nail, nail that sin account to the cross of Christ and just say, I'm not, I'm not depending on experience. I'm not depending on even that prayer. I'm depending on what the Bible says, what the Word says, that I can have my sins forgiven because I put my trust in Christ. Put my trust in Christ and Christ alone. And on Him, I'll stand. My hope is in Jesus. If that's you today, you come. You find counsel. We'll help you with that. We want to encourage you. Nobody, nobody will be turned away today. You're in the right place at the right time. We are here to help you. We're not here to condemn you. We're not here to criticize you. We're here because we love you and we want you to feel loved. We want you to to receive help because eternity is such a long time to be wrong. It's forever. If you're not saved this morning, you come and we want to show you in love and concern and care. From the Bible. We'll show you from the Bible. From God's holy word. We'll show you from the Bible how you can be saved. It's been good to see uh, people getting saved. Getting things settled. Finding that security in Christ. Amen. Father, Lord, I do pray that you would bless this time of invitation. That would be a time of help. And be a time of, of grace. We would see your love poured out. We thank you for this church. Pray for your spirit to continue to work. 
move in this invitation. If there's, not, if there's one that is not sure, they're not sure, I pray that today that they would find that assurance. If they're not saved, that they would get saved. I pray that you bless.